In Wall Street, the stocks are purchased by two separate yet equally important groups, the hedge funds, who have all the money, and the retail investors, who do not. This is their story. Because we're talking movies, we're talking dumb money, starring Paul Dano, America Ferreira, and Seth Rogen. Based on the book The Antisocial Network by Ben Mitz, written by Lauren Shuker Bloom and Rebecca Angelo. This was directed by Craig Giuseppe. Chris, this is me running with my dick out. If he's in, I'm in. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? And we're talking about the kind of money I would have if I had any. Dumb money. Scott, take us away. (laughs) All right, so pretty much the synopsis of this film is just literally looking at our recent history where, you know, the army of apes tried to take down the hedge funds, and there was a massive distribution of wealth for only a certain few individuals that occurred. Yeah, that's it. That's what you got. I mean, even your your synopsis of this is uh, one of my issues with this film is it didn't do a very good job of explaining its key points. Uh, One of the things you're going to see me do is moving back and forth between this and um, Adam McKay's The Big Short, because I think The Big Short is a fantastic film. I've seen it at least a dozen times. Uh, and it's also talking about a financial situation, uh, but I feel it does a much, much better job. Uh, also, when Scott came in and he did his whole law and order thing, I'll be honest, just like you, I was waiting for... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> so, Scott, you managed to let us down right away. So, thanks, uh, thanks for coming out, buddy. <laughs> there we go. I just, you know, didn't want the copyright infringement. But, yeah. Dick like, Wolf is to, coming to, me, to get like... you. The Wolf Man. <laughs> fuck with that wolf or that dick <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um yeah like this is an entertaining film was it right? was it entertaining like, like it was it was entertaining like each person you know i i would say in terms of the cast they they did their job well right so like good enough that fucking the guy who actually owns that citadel is trying to sue the studio and everything for his for Nick Offerman's um depiction of him right Listen, Saying, like you know if Nick Offerman gets to if you if you get to have Nick Offerman play you shut the fuck up and enjoy the ride <laughs> yeah which if you if you think about it like he was like the least like yeah he was you know you could say he was the villain, but he he was just literally just sitting at at a table eating half the time, or just holding a tennis racket half the time, just being like, "You need money, okay? Here's the money." Right? <laughs> that was pretty much his dis- depiction. So this guy, right? This is based on, and we've said it a couple times. It's, called, it's based on the Antisocial Network by Ben Mesrich. Uh, but remember, this is the same guy that did the Accidental Billionaire, the book that became Aaron Sorkin's The Social Network. Uh, he also did Bringing Down the House, which was the film 21 with Kevin Spacey. Uh, so he and he does a lot of books about like kind of money and finance or math guys, yada, 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 yada. And like I said, you know, he's had stuff turned into screenplays. Um, 
did you follow this? So this is based on the GameStop short yes. shorting, short squeeze uh, yeah. situation. Did you follow any of that? Because I think that this okay. is we need. That's the place we need to start when we talk about this film. Because well, well, oh, yeah. So in terms of GameStop itself, uh, no. Um, like I knew about it and everything like that, but I'm more like America Ferreras. Uh, character where you're, you're holding a bunch hold- of stock that's not worth anything. I, I'm still holding my AMC stock, you know. You might as well just fucking hold it because, like I told my wife, I don't actually lose the money that I lost until I sell it. That's right. So, so I'm like, until I sell it, I haven't actually lost any money. But, but yeah, like I, I was more on the AMC mainly because, you know, I like movies and I didn't want to see a movie like movie theater chain go down right so that was mine i liked that stock but yeah i like i knew there's the classic line i like this stock yeah like i like i knew like during that time i knew people who were who were in on the in on the gamestop um made money off the gamestop not as much as some of the ones right at the beginning where you know people made millions and millions of dollars off of it but yeah, like it it was for that time period in 2020, right? During COVID, like you, you heard about vaccines and you heard about the apes and diamond hands, right? Like that was that was all that was going through my 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 social media. So can you can you explain what an ape was? Because I still don't even know what a fucking ape is, even well, after watching just, this film. I guess like, that's just what they kind of call themselves, which now watching this, I did, I don't understand why they didn't call them cats. Because, you know, he was Roaring Kitty, right? Well, he but was Roaring apes, Kitty, but I think apes yeah. existed outside of, like, it was, a, a, it in was the greater... Yeah. I think it is... I don't know if it is a direct um, correlation of, you know, retail investors are dumb money, and most people apes think are dumb, apes are therefore. dumb. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, that, I don't know. Um so but yeah they just called themselves apes and it was the apes army and uh yeah they just they just fucking held that stock they just held that stock since neither one of us uh are super i feel like literate about this subject matter let's just talk about it as a film as a movie as a entertainment vehicle uh and just we'll just assume that all the stuff that happened in it happened in, in the appropriate way uh so you did you you enjoyed this film like you found you said well, you found well, it, entertaining, like said, it was entertaining right like i i do think like if you put this on like a back to back if you watch the big short first and then go into this one because the big short explains a lot of shorting and all that stuff so you're more yeah they use margot robbie in, in a, bu- a thing a bubble bath drinking champagne to talk about stuff like it's fantastic yeah yeah, and that's what i'm saying like and then you you kind of realize it more like yes they didn't really explain much in terms of you know like they didn't really dumb it down for the audience they just assumed you knew what they were doing you knew they were shorting stocks and why they were shorting stocks and how he was losing the money he was losing or making the money they were making right they didn't really cater to the uneducated in terms of you know 
not dumbing it down, but even having some exposition in terms of, okay, this is why I'm doing it or I'm doing this for this kind of thing, right? Which I think right away is a is a problem. <laughs> like you, you're going to be talking about kind of some very inside information. Again, you, unless you're in that world, even the online version of this trading world, I, like you need to explain some of these terms or else they don't mean anything to your audience. So your audience is, there's a bunch of like language being used and the audience can't get invested in the story because they're being kind of held out by this language barrier. Yeah. And, and that's why the big short, that's, that's why McKay's big short goes through so many links. It actually even opens with the idea that this language is designed so that you don't question it because Wall Street wants you to sit down, shut the fuck up and leave them alone. So they, they start with that premise, then they break that premise down and then they use it on top of like it's it's almost like using it as a B and C and D story because it gives you a break from the action. It's like here to talk about blah, 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 is Selena Gomez and professor of economics. And so you get these nice breaks. And I'm not suggesting this film should have used that template, but because the big short explains the principles, when you get back into the story, you're like, great. I know where we're at and I know what's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, I don't know. If, and, and like I was saying, like, in terms of that for for the people that don't know and, and like i like we've said like even ourselves like we don't know like i know basics of it but not i'm not versed in it right so that that i say that would be one of the detrimental things that they did in terms of the execution and in the writing of the story right like you could have done it a couple different ways you could have you could have had like this could have been the fucking stock market Oppenheimer, where you're just going with that congressional meeting and going back and forth through it, right? So that way, when they're talking about the the questions they're talking in the congressional meetings, right, you can see how it plays out and it gets explained more onto it. But, you know, in terms of, you know, a good comedy, like, it, it was fine, right? It wasn't something that's going to blow you know, blow the roof off or anything like that. I, I just think it's a serviceable movie. Okay, so I think that there is a probably great screenplay in this uh, in this story that, that comes from the book um, because it has a lot of uh, the same characteristics as the big short right so you've got a great well you've got a solid director like the director on this did hi tanya and like lars and the real girl and cruella you got a solid cinematographer uh nicholas uh carex stanis who also worked with craig on i tanya and cruella the big short is obviously like adam mckay and barry Ackroyd. so you got you know good cinematographers you've got they're coming both out of like strong books you've got great actors so in the big short you got christian bale steve carell ryan gosling brad pitt and a bunch of other great actors in this you've got paul dano pete davidson vincent deforio and then america ferrera plus you've got a bunch of other like nick offerman anthony ramos seth rogan so you got great cast you got a great story coming out of a book you've got a solid directors you got solid cinematographers so the difference is in the screenplay so where the big short had Adam McKay writing and Charles Randolph, 
In this, you've got do 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 do. The screenwriters are Lauren Shuckler Blum and Rebecca Angelo, who basically are just staff writers on like 13 episodes of Orange is the New Black. I know they're also going to be working on the Wolfman movie. Uh, I'm very concerned because I, I I don't know why you would take this story with this cast and a $30 million budget and then just give it to, like, in my opinion, unproven screenwriters. TV and film are not the same. Like, the, the way you write your screenplays and tel- versus teleplays are not the same. Yeah, but... And I think that the script, of, the script the process, is there's a big fucking problem with the script, and, and which well, I'm going to get into. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. But in in terms of the process, isn't the script usually written first before these people are attached to it? They're usually no, no, no. Based so, off of the script. So the option was purchased, then they were brought in to write the screenplay from the novel, right? And then the cast was cast. Oh, okay. So these people, no, what I'm uh, that's what I'm saying. You're saying they have all this, but then you have this script. You know, all these actors read this script, right? Like whether or not this is, uh, you know, Emily Blunt kind of Gulliver Travels, where they all have like studio options that they got to be in this movie. Who knows, right? But you do realize acting is also just a job, right? <laughs> like you you can read a screenplay and be like, well, it's got a good director. They offered me a decent amount of money, and I'm going to make like it's not it's not awful. But it could have been great, and mm-hmm. I say that the reason it's not great is because the screenplay, the the founding document of the film, is not good. I think the yeah. acting, the acting that was in it was fine. Um, I'm mean, again, I could blame, I could, I mean, the, obviously at the end of the day, the director still has to take responsibility. But again, I think that the original screenplay is is it does not feel like it's very good. One of the big issues I had with this film is I had no. Like, no pathos for the retail investors. It, the And I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to show that all of us are into the get this together. So if we all have diamond hands and hold forever, we can break one of these or, you know, more of these hedge funds. And, like, David versus Goliath, yada, yada, yada. So I get what they were trying to say. But all it came across in the film was stupid and greedy. It's like when you have like negative money in the bank and you could cash in and get 600 grand or doesn't matter what the number is, just fucking do that. Or there needs, and, and I don't know how you fix this, but every, all I, as I watched this film, I was like, you people are just fucking stupid. Like, you're like, this is more money than you will ever see in your fucking entire life. You should probably just fucking settle up, take your money and be victorious. And the, the, so that's up to the, 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 the screen, uh, the filmmaker and the screenplay in order to, if you want to tell that story, you need to tell it in a way where your protagonists are the protagonists, not just the literal dumb money. Like, like I just yeah, thought they were stupid no. most of the time. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think in terms, like they did in terms of uh, like Paul Dano's character and his family life, like they did a good job with that. Okay. No, these... I want to talk about it because you, you have like a similar family life you're like a professional and then there's your your wife and you have your kids and stuff if you scott seriously if you fucking called me up and you're like i'm sitting on 45 million dollars and my wife is like okay with this i'd be like you guys both need to give your fucking heads a shake you know what i mean like that's a fucking stupid decision yeah what what i'm saying is like in terms i think your wife would tell you you're a fucking idiot too 
Yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, in terms of his dynamic and his life, it, it was invested a lot. Like, and, but I'm, I'm agreeing with what you're saying. Like, America Ferrera's character, where, you know, she's the nurse, but constantly in debt, right? Like, you don't... Like, you don't get invested in her character, mm. right? Anthony Ramos's character, who works at GameStop and buying the stock or whatever, like, you don't get invested in any of these people, right? Um, the the other one that I had not issue with, but, like, the two college people, right? Who, um, I don't know, it's 2020. I, I, I'm pretty sure to two women who you know are attracted to each other can you know don't have to hide in their college anymore that they're attracted to each other and want to be with each other Uh, i mean it is in the u.s i don't know like everybody every country's got different i mean even here in canada depending on where you are uh i'm I'm not going to go out on a limb and, and say that there's any issue with that part of the story maybe they did maybe they don't i don't know but anyway keep going right but but that's that's the thing right like you you get like you dip your toe in the water with each one of these characters right mm-hmm. but you don't really see their motivations and half the time excuse me half the time it's them being talked to by their family members literally saying what you're saying <laughs> like you have all this money fucking sell right and then none of them are coming up with like a great um argument on why like they they can't even explain to their family members on why they want to hold this money like they can't even explain the the short and like the squeeze that they're hoping for like they're hoping for a gamma squeeze you know and most and all of them are in fomo where they're all you know scared of missing out in which that's why they're constantly like buying that and then you know you have the the dramatics of you know the wall street bets going down and then no one knowing what to do and then you know the, them selling but then deciding to buy back in like which to me makes no sense either because once you sold you're never going to make that money back and i get what they're trying to do is they're trying to show that these people believe they're part of a greater cause right like this idea of like us versus wall street i mean <laughs> Is that really because maybe maybe the real story is greed instead of trying to show them as these like people involved in something greater than themselves. You need to show it for what it was, which was greed. You know, if I if it doubled today and it quadrupled tomorrow, where will it be at the end of the week? Well, sometimes it's zero or negative. You know, it's below that. And maybe just showing like people more in their just like greed motivation and not even trying to show the like working class hero. Um, or you need to tell that story better because like I said, it just comes across as you people are fucking stupid. I'll, seriously, like it, you can't, you're like can barely pay your bills and you're sitting on $500,000. You get the fuck out. Like you get the fuck out. So um, again, not knowing the actual ins and outs of the real story, I would like to know what people's fucking bullshit rationales were for not selling sooner. Well, it was the promise of the of the the major squeeze where it was going to go. I think it was like from what I remember on socials, it was going to go like a thousand bucks a stock 
right? Mm. Like the price was going to skyrocket there because if you held long enough and they have to now buy back all these shorts, right? And, you know, overshorting something where, you know, they're manipulating the market by shorting it more than there actually is stocks available that once they have to pay all that stuff back, it was just going to be like the promise was the greatest distribution of wealth wealth in american history yeah but that that, was the promise a that didn't happen and as we know i mean and again i think that maybe but it did happen to a certain few like that (laughs) keith gill guy great a handful of people made money just like a handful of people normally make money but it wasn't the greatest redistribution of wealth in the history of the, the right, stock but exchange. that was the promise, right? And that's why all these people were holding, right? Because they were like, pretty soon I'll never have to work again because this fucking stock is going to take care of me and my family for future generations, right? Once I sell this. So, and again, the manipulation on the side of the hedge funds, uh, you see that again in the big short when the, the stock is lo- supposed to be losing value, right? And that they've shorted. And it's not moving. And then you find that the rating agencies are in it. The banks are in on it. The the uh, federal uh, uh, organizations that are supposed to be the regulators, they're not so much as in on it, but they're just not paying attention. Because the big short shows you all that, you actually see why things are not moving in the direction they want. So I also wish this film would have spent more time on that. Because it happens very quickly. I would like to see more of those backroom conversations or something. And again, the difference is the big short is essentially a drama. Like, I mean, there's some, there's definitely funny components, but it's a, it's a drama. This is trying to be like a dramedy. And I feel like it wasn't dramatic enough, but it also wasn't funny enough. So you're kind of in this weird space. Like you have some pretty funny people, like both Seth Rogen and Pete Davidson are like they're very funny individuals, and I yeah, mean again, but Rogan was the straight man in this one. He was the straight man, and I mean he's able to do be funny in a straight man kind of role. Um, <coughs> excuse me, I just yeah, it did. This film didn't work for me. Uh, I don't actually know how to fix it. I'd have to actually go back to the screenplay and take a look at it. Uh, I am shocked. Uh, I tried to look up uh, you know on Variety and stuff like that and find out how these two got associated with this picture. Um, because I, I, I'll tell you right now, if I was looking for screenwriters, I would not go to really people that had only worked on one TV show for, you know, a handful. I mean, it's not a handful of seasons, but it's not exactly like the entire run 13 episodes of staff writers on a show. Uh, they're not the people I'm going to go to, to work on my $30 million films screenplay that has like a bunch of other cast members in it that are very famous people. You know what I mean? Um, what I did find interesting though, when I was doing some of my research is Cameron and Tyler Winkle, uh, Winklevoss, who are the subject of the social network. They're the guys that kind of like Mark Zuckerberg fucked over the original guys that came up with the Facebook kind of concept. They're actually executive producers on this film. Mm-hmm. They're big crypto bros supposedly too. So, Oh yeah. They made a shit ton on Bitcoin from what I heard. They're like the first crypto billionaires oh nice good good for them rich guys getting richer so i mean this thing's got it's it's we i'm shocked it's got an 84 from the critics got an 85 from the audience i mean i guess maybe the people watching this are people that lost their fucking money with their ooh my diamond hands (laughs) 
<laughs> I hear you. Uh, do you got anything else you want to say? Like I said, uh, Odie Henderson from the Boston Globe. I, I don't 100% agree with this statement, but it's in the in the realm. I could barely keep my eyes open during this unfunny snoozer packed as a wannabe hair to Adam McKay's 2015 film, The Big Short. Yeah, it's two different films. Yeah, one's good and one is not good. And that is our wrap for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. If you want to get a hold of us, reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com. So what, what, what the audience needs to do here is they just need to go on our Apple page. They got to leave us a review, get some stars up, put in a comment. You know, even if the comment is how sexy Chris is, because he doesn't get those comments very often. Because we are trying to get our Rotten Tomatoes certif- uh, certification. I like it. Production by Rod Shaver. Vader Monkey Productions.